the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. First Baptist Church of College Hill in Tampa has Sunday morning worship services at 730. And- Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. But now Pilate is feeling a little bit of pressure from the Jewish leaders. In spite of Christ's pronounced innocence, they're not going to let this case be thrown out of court. They're going to force Pilate to make a decision that will violate his sense of justice. And that's the real conflict going on here. Pilate was in a pickle when the Jews brought Jesus to him, but it was a pickle of his own making. He generally chose to do what was expedient rather than what was right. And his decision in Jesus' case would be made the same way as his others. Sadly, expedience is the basis for most human decisions. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today we will continue Pastor Steve's message about why people reject Christ. Governor Pilate was one who rejected him for a very common reason. The Jewish leaders brought Jesus to Pilate complaining about a number of fabricated charges. One was that Jesus was misleading the people. They also said, of all things, that Jesus was forbidding people to pay their taxes to Rome. Here's Pastor Steve to continue his lesson at that point. Secondly, he said he's forbidding to pay taxes to Rome. Okay? Which was not true. Remember, Jesus did say, pay your taxes. He also said, remember, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's? Caesar's? I mean, he, he was very loyal. And then they said, and this is the one that uh, was really significant, they said, he claims to be a king. And we know that there's only one king, Caesar. Now, the official charge that they laid upon Jesus was blasphemy, but now they have changed that. Were any of these charges true? No, of course not. But the Sanhedrin is saying this to get the ear of Pilate. You know why? Because he doesn't want to deal with a religious squabble. He doesn't care that Jesus claims to be the Messiah. He doesn't even care that Jesus claims to be God or, the, or, or, or their ruler. And so the Sanhedrin know, they know that if they bring, to Je- they bring to Pilate this charge that, oh, he, it's blasphemy, he'll say, who cares? Deal with it yourself. And that's exactly what he said. Let's turn to John 18. You need to put a bookmark at John 18 and 19 because we're going to go back and forth. See, they need to get the ear of Pontius Pilate. Let me, let me show you. John 18, beginning at verse 29. Pilate therefore went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? This is how it began. What accusation do you bring? They answered and said to him, if this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. You know, what they're saying is, don't ask us the issue. We're telling you he's bad. So we want you to rubber stamp 
our verdict that he must die. And Pilate says, I want to know what, it, what it's about. Pilate therefore said to them, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. At the word, now watch this, verse 32 says, and this is fascinating, that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. Pilate therefore entered into the praetorium, which is the judgment hall, and he summoned Jesus and said to them, are you, or you are the king of the Jews? You are the king of the Jews? Now let me explain this. You see, Pilate didn't want to get involved in purely religious Jewish squabbles, conflicts, so he told him to take care of the matter. You take care of it yourself. And they say, but we can't. We're not allowed under Roman law to kill anybody. Now, there was truth in that, but there was also a falsehood in that. Do you remember just a, a, a little bit later, the Jewish leaders actually stoned Stephen to death. They could kill when they wanted to. Believe me, they also, they also threatened to kill others. No, they could, they could kill. So why then didn't they kill Jesus? Let me explain. They wanted Rome to order his execution because they didn't want to be blamed by the people. They feared the multitude. They wanted to say, look, it's not our fault. We couldn't, we didn't crucify him. Rome crucified him. It's not our fault. Don't blame us. What power did we have to stop them? It was Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, who ordered Jesus to be crucified. And let me just show you this. Now stay in John 18. Actually, stay in John 18, stay in Mark 15, and then turn to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. We want to put these things together, and I want you to get a feel for what's going on behind the scenes. They feared the people. It wasn't just that they wanted Jesus, that they couldn't uh, kill him. They could have. They could very easily have just stoned Jesus, but there are two uh, reasons they didn't. From their perspective, because they wanted Rome to be blamed, and watch this, but there's another divine perspective as well. Acts chapter 5, verse 25. Now this is about two months later. Christ has already risen from the dead. He's gone back to be with the Father. The Holy Spirit has come. Uh, the Spirit of God is now empowering the disciples, and they are out preaching in Jerusalem that Jesus is Savior and He is Lord. And the Sanhedrin don't like this. They're still in power, the Sanhedrin. But watch this, verse 25. Acts chapter 5, but someone came and reported to them, behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went out along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence. Why? For they were afraid of the people, lest they should be stoned. Watch this. And when they, uh, when they brought them, they stood them before the council. This is the same council. This is the Sanhedrin. And the high priest, same high priest, just two months later, maybe not even two months later, the high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in his name, and behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and watch this, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. You see, they're afraid. Listen, if you go on teaching like this, people will think that we're responsible. They were responsible. They were responsible. So was Rome. So were we. But they were responsible. But still, two months later, they are still fearing uh, that the people will think that they had something to do with this. Now let's go back to John 18. Let me show you something very, very important. Now from, from man's perspective, that's the reason. The reason that Rome did it, they said, it was because we couldn't do it. 
We're not allowed to kill anybody. From God's perspective, there was a different reason, and the Jewish leaders didn't understand that. Notice verse 32, John 18. That the word of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. The Jewish people only killed by one way. They, they picked up stones, and they, they threw it at you, and the big stones... Not, not just little stones, big stones. If you, uh, if you go to Israel, you will see that Israel is a place that has a lot of stones. It still has a lot of stones. That's why you see on the news, you see people throwing rocks back and forth. But there are big stones too. Stones that a few of those would actually just kill you. That's the way the Jewish people uh, uh, kill people. That's the way they killed Stephen. They didn't crucify, the Romans crucified. But in Mark chapter 10, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus predicted that he would die at the hands of the Gentiles. Mark 10, verse 33. He said, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and will deliver him up to the Gentiles. And John says that's the reason that it happened this way. Jewish people could have taken him out and killed him, but it wouldn't have been by crucifixion. But Jesus predicted that he would die at the hands of Rome, the Gentiles, and that means crucifixion. So God is, is involved in this, and he's behind it, and he's orchestrating this, although he's not responsible for their sin. So I just wanted you to see that, and that's, that's important. And that really brings us up to date to understand that Pilate said to him, are, are you the king of the Jews? He said, take care of this matter. And then they said, look, if he wasn't evil, we wouldn't have brought him to you. And uh, so they're now charging him with political treason. And Jesus is being asked by him, are you the king of the Jews? Now, in, in the, the pronoun you or thou is emphatic and it expresses surprise. Pilate looked at him and in essence he said, are you this beaten, bleeding, spit upon human being, the king of the Jews? It's a question of ridicule and scorn. He hates the Jewish people. And he's probably thinking, yeah, you look like you're the king of the Jews. That's the way I feel about them. It's a question of ridicule. But, but, and we're back now in, in, uh, in Mark. Jesus responded and said, it is as you say. It is as you say. I'm looking at the end of verse 2. Are you the king of the Jews? And answering, he said to him, it is as you say. Now, some people have said, oh, this was a denial on the part of Christ. And maybe you've read that. Some people say that Jesus meant, you said it, not me. Is that really what he meant? No, absolutely not. What he said is this. It, it is as you say. You're correct. You say correctly that I'm a king. Now, how do I know that that's exactly what he meant? Because, and I told you to keep a bookmark in John chapter 18, because when you go to John chapter 18, uh, which Mark doesn't tell us, John tells us, that Pilate had a conversation with Jesus about what kind of a king he was. What kind of a king he was. Uh, John chapter 18, verse 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting, that I might not be delivered up to the Jews. But as it is, uh, my kingdom is not of this realm. Pilate therefore said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to him, I find no, no guilt this man. Now Jesus, what Jesus was saying to him is, listen, I'm a king, but I'm not a king that's a threat to Caesar. 
I'm not a revolutionary. I'm a king of divine origin. My kingdom has a divine origin, not an earthly origin. And you don't have to fear me. I'm not one who is, is uh, uh, an insurrectionist against Rome. I'm a king, but not in a political sense. I pose no threat to Caesar, and Pilate was very satisfied with that. You see, if Pilate, though he believed Jesus was innocent, had to investigate the charge that, that this man claimed to be a king. Because anyone who was a threat to Rome, in that sense of, of being a rival king, uh, that merited capital punishment. And so Pilate has to investigate or he'd be in trouble himself. But he, he investigates, he's satisfied with it, he comes out and he says to the Jewish people, uh, he's not guilty, not guilty of treason. I find no fault in him. In essence, what Pilate is doing is dismissing the case, dismissing the case. In modern day language, we would say the judge is throwing the case out of court for lack of evidence. He's just throwing it out. I don't find anything wrong with this man that would be worthy of death. He's throwing it out of court. But the Jewish people, the Sanhedrin, are going to throw it right back in his face. And notice Mark 15, verse 3. The chief priests began to accuse him harshly over and over again. They're not going to let this thing die. Luke 23, 5 says this, but they kept on insisting, saying, he stirs up the people, teaching all over Judea, starting from Galilee, even as far as this place. So Pilate goes back inside. Jewish leaders are outside. Jesus is inside in the praetorium in the hall with Pilate. Now Pilate goes back inside and he says in verse 4, Pilate was questioning him again. See, he had already questioned him. Now he's questioning him again saying, do you make no answer? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was astonished. Jesus said nothing. You know why? Because there was nothing more to say. The man, the judge said, you're innocent. Why would you possibly say anything else? He already told Pilate who he was and what he was. He said, I'm the truth. And Pilate concluded he wasn't guilty of a crime. But Christ's silence absolutely amazed Pontius Pilate. You know why? Pilate had never met anybody like Jesus. Because men who had stood before him with charges of being guilty of, uh, and worthy of death, had screamed and kicked and pleaded for mercy and shouted how innocent they were and probably charged their accusers and said, no, it's not me, it's them. And, they, and, 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 he, and, he, and he saw and heard screaming men and panicking men. And there's Jesus with majestic silence standing before him saying nothing. One reason why Christ did this, not only because there was nothing more to say, but because Isaiah 53, verse 7 says, as the lamb led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. But now Pilate is feeling a little bit of pressure from the Jewish leaders. In spite of Christ's pronounced innocence, they're not going to let this case be thrown out of court. They're not going to let it drop. They're going to force the issue. They're going to force Pilate to make a decision that will violate his sense of justice. And that's the real conflict going on here. Now, what should Pilate have done at this point? The only right thing to do is he should have said, look, he's innocent, he's not guilty, it's over. I release him. If anybody touches him, he answers to me. That's what he should have done. Even if the Jewish people started a riot, even if they got him thrown out of office, even if it cost him not only his job but his life, Pontius Pilate should have done the right thing, and that was to release Jesus at this point. But he didn't do that. Why? Because even though he's convinced of Christ's innocence and he's aware of the motives of the religious leaders and its envy, 
He's afraid of offending the Jewish people and getting in trouble with Rome. That's why he crucified Jesus. Pilate's rejection of Christ has absolutely nothing to do with Jesus. You have to understand that. He's not openly hostile. He has no problem with Christ personally, but his self-interest dictated his response. He's making a choice based only on one thing, what benefits himself. Nothing else really matters. And I say that there are many people today who are, who are just like Pontius Pilate, who reject Jesus for basically the same reason. They're, they aren't openly hostile towards Christ. I mean, everybody's hostile towards him, they just don't know it. But they're not openly hostile towards Christ. They don't find any inconsistencies with Jesus. They don't even throw up to you uh, supposed contradictions in the Bible. They don't even do that. And yet they continue in unbelief. Why? Because the only thing that matters to them is themselves. Especially their careers. And they'll do anything to elevate themselves career-wise and socially and economically. And they aren't going to let anything interfere with what they have planned for themselves and their own self-interest. They're not even going to let Christ interfere. In fact, they don't care about the truth. They aren't interested in the truth. They're interested in number one themselves. That's Pilate's problem. That's his whole problem. He's only interested in himself. He's not interested in the truth. You say, well, how do you know that? Because I just read to you the portion of Scripture of John 18 in which Jesus said, I've come to bear witness of the truth, and everyone who hears my voice is of the truth. And you know what Pilate said? In, in a sarcastic, uh, pagan cynicism, Pilate said, what is truth? And he walked out on Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Because truth was staring him in the face. He walked out on it. Jesus didn't just represent truth. Jesus was and is the truth. And Pilate said, yeah, what's truth? And he walked out on him. Pilate wasn't interested in the truth. He wasn't a a, a man seeking God. He was a man seeking only self-interest. You know, for, for much of my life, I, get, I, I guess now, I, I used to say for most of my life, but I, get, I guess I'm getting to an age that I'm getting older. I can't say for most of my life, but for much of my life, I rejected Jesus Christ, never, never really knew about Christ, uh, but still rejected the truth and rejected him. And when I was a student at the university and a friend told me about Jesus Christ, uh, I decided then that I must know the truth. If I was to re- continue rejecting Christ, it must be based on an intelligent decision, not just because my parents felt a certain way or because the Jewish community might feel a certain way. I never owned the Bible in my life. I mean, I knew Psalm 23 and I knew some, maybe some other portions of Scripture, but I never owned the Bible. I don't think we had a Bible in the house. We had a prayer book, but not a Bible. And uh, whenever I went to synagogue, I guess it was in Hebrew, and that didn't do me any good. So, uh, I, never, so I never read, and certainly the New Testament wouldn't be there. But I remembered, I bought a Bible, and I started reading it. And I started finding out things about Christ that I had never heard of before. And, and I was really faced with the issue, is this the truth? And in my heart... I determined that uh, if this was the truth, if I was convinced that this was the truth, I was going to respond to it. And it was some tough decisions. I didn't think, uh, you know, is this decision going to be popular? Is this decision going to socially advance me? 
is this going to be philosophically acceptable? The only issue was, is it truth? You see, when God is at work in a person's heart, that's what they care about. When they are truth seekers, because God has been seeking after them, Pilate didn't care about the truth. He only cared about himself. You see, that's the issue. What is most important to you, the truth or your position in life? If your answer is your position in life, then you are going to do some of the same things that Pilate did to avoid dealing with Jesus Christ. And that's what Pilate did. He began to scheme. You see, Pilate is a politician. Not just an attitude, but he was Rome's politician. A Roman politician. And he's going to try to remain neutral, but you can never remain neutral with Jesus. And he comes up with, with a number of schemes to avoid dealing with Christ. But in the end, he must. He must. Watch this. Remember the Jewish leaders said, look, this man, Jesus, is a troublemaker. All the way from Galilee to Judea, that's the north and the south of Israel, he stirs up trouble. And Pilate heard, oh, Galilee? Did you say Galilee? Well, that's not under my jurisdiction. That's under Herod's jurisdiction. So he said, I'm going to send them to Herod. And it just so happens that Herod was in Jerusalem at this time because it's the Passover feast. In fact, that's why, that's why uh, Pilate is there. Normally, he's in Caesarea on the Mediterranean. In fact, when we were there, I don't know if the group remembers, but when we were there in Caesarea on the Mediterranean, not Caesarea Philippi, if those who were in Israel can remember, we saw a stone that had Pontius Pilate's name on it right outside the, the theater. So Pilate says, oh, Herod's here? Oh, oh, he's from Galilee? So he sends him to Herod. It's, and, and what he really is saying is, good, I don't have to make this decision. It falls under Herod's jurisdiction. And Luke 23 tells us about this. Mark doesn't tell us. Matthew doesn't. John doesn't. Luke tells us. And he tells us that after questioning Jesus and mocking him, Herod sent him back to Pilate. So now Pilate's got Jesus, and he's trying to get rid of him. But now he's got him. So Pilate comes up with another scheme to get himself off the hook. Notice verse 6 and following of Mark 15. Now at the feast, he used to release for them any one prisoner whom they requested. And the man named Barabbas had been imprisoned with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude went up and began asking him to do as he had been accustomed to do for them. And Pilate answered them saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he was aware that the chief priests had delivered him up because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the multitude to ask him to release Barabbas for them instead. Now, Lord willing, next week we're going to look more at Barabbas and more at the people. And and so I don't want to go too deeply into this, but let me just explain what's happening. Every year at Passover time, the Roman governor had a tradition. He released to the Jewish people one prisoner to whoever they wanted. They could ask for one prisoner. It was an act of diplomacy and and goodwill, and uh, it sort of eased the the tension. It was a nice thing to do, and it was his custom. Now, at, at that time, Rome held a man by the name of Barabbas who the Bible says was an insurrectionist. That, that means that he uh, had been involved in, in doing something against Rome. The irony of it is, is exactly what the Jewish leader said Jesus was guilty of, but they don't have a problem with them releasing Barabbas. Barabbas, according to all the gospel accounts, was a murderer, a robber, an insurrectionist. Maybe he was a zealot. And the zealots would go around with little daggers and they would stick them in the, ni- in the backs of Romans. And uh, he was a bad guy as far as Rome is concerned. And Pilate now asked the people to choose either Barabbas or Jesus to be released, thinking that the common people would naturally gravitate to Jesus because he, he had heard just a week earlier 
these people saying Hosanna to God in the highest, peace on, on earth, and we want Jesus as, as the uh, as Savior and King. And he heard all of that, crying for Jesus to, uh, as he entered Jerusalem and the triumphant entry. And so he assumes, look, it's the religious leaders who want Christ killed, not the people. I'll get off the hook by appealing to the people. Then the leaders certainly can't write Caesar and say it's Pilate's fault because it's their own people who asked for Christ's release. See? You see what he's doing? He's trying to avoid any responsibility. The people choose Jesus to be released, then Pilate's off the hook. He can't be blamed. But amazingly, the people choose, and like I said, next week we'll look at this, they chose Barabbas as the religious leaders that says stirred up the multitude, and Pilate had no choice but to release Barabbas, at least no choice at that point. Now, two of Pilate's schemes have failed. Herod won't make the decision for him, and now the people put the pressure on him to execute a man he knows is innocent, so he tries another scheme. We will look at that next scheme by Governor Pilate on the next Verse by Verse. It was good to have you with us today. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff, teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. To listen again to today's class or a previous class, stop in at our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can also find out how to have a part in keeping these daily Bible classes on the air. To order a CD or... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.